In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, I am happy actually to be with you in this uh, beautiful church, and tomorrow, God willing, we will consecrate the altar, and I'm sure you know that on Thursday, we celebrate the feast of Archangel Michael, who is actually the intercessor of this church. So may the Lord bless the ministry uh, in this church, bless Abuna and bless all of you who are serving here. Uh, and this actually the purpose of this church, not only to take care of the people the, who are living here in, in, uh, in Phoenix, but from Egyptian origin, but also to spread the word of God to all the Americans and all nationalities who are living here in Phoenix. Uh, in other words, the, the one of the mission of this church to be uh, is evangelism and to witness to Christ, as the Lord Jesus Christ said to us before his ascension, and you will be witnesses of mine in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, uh, yeah, through the prayers of His Holiness Pope Tawadros and uh, our beloved Father, His Grace Bishop Gregory, and through the prayer of all the saints, may the Lord bless the ministry in this church for His glory, for the glory of His holy name. Tonight, we will continue our Bible study uh, from the Gospel of St. Luke. Uh, we'll start from uh, verse 25. Hopefully we will actually uh, finish the whole chapter, chapter 2. Uh, it's about 25 verses. So let's start from verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So, Simeon's name means the listener. As you know, Hebrew and Arabic are very close. So, Simeon in Arabic, Sim'an, Yisma'a, so Simeon actually means the listener or the obedient. And this signified actually how he was obedient to the word of God. And he was a devout Jewish waiting for the fulfillment of the prophecies. The prophecies that a savior will come to save the whole world and not only Israel. Also, there is a story about Simeon, the elder, mentioned in the holy tradition of the church. Simeon was one of the 72 Jewish elders who were asked by Ptolemy to translate the Torah or the Old Testament into Greek language. The Old Testament was written in uh, Hebrew, 
So Simeon was one of the 72 who translated the Old Testament into Greek language. And this translation exists until now, and it is called Septuagint. Septuagint means 70, because 72 persons translated this. And by the way, this is the official translation of the Orthodox Church, the Septuagint. And when you study the New Testament, like the letters of St. Paul, and when you read any verse that he quoted from the Old Testament, you will find the quotation that St. Paul made identical with the Septuagint, but not with the Hebrew. Which means actually, in even the apostles used the Septuagint translation as the reference. And it is said that as he was in the process of translation, in Isaiah chapter 7, there is a verse, Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a child. The Hebrew word can be translated either to young girl or can be translated into virgin. So Simeon decided to use, to use the word young girl or young maiden because how a virgin will conceive. In Greek, there are two different words for young girl and for virgin. But in Hebrew, it's the same word for the young girl and, and, and virgin. So he decided to use the word meaning young girl. And it was in a vision told him, no, use actually the word virgin, not young girl. Uh, and he assured him that he will not die until he sees this babe who is born of a virgin. And by the way, in Matthew chapter 1, when Matthew quote Isaiah 7, and Matthew was written in Greek, so he used Parthenos or Parthenia, which means virgin. And that is the same word that Simeon used. So Simeon left until he was moved by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple to see this babe who was, was born of a virgin. Unlike Zachariah and Elizabeth, Simeon is described as just, devout. Just means he was observing all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. And devout means he was a devout observer of the law. Just and devout. Also Simeon is uh, considered a prophet because 
he prophesied about uh, Saint Mary and the Lord Jesus Christ, as we will explain. So, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he went to the temple and carried the baby Jesus in his arm, and his tongues uttered praises. And he was eager to be released from this world. It was said he lived about 360 years. So he was waiting for this moment to see the baby Jesus and to carry him. And now he was actually eager to be released from this world after he witnessed by the Spirit the salvation of the entire nation and people, not only Israel, salvation of the whole world. Verse 26, and it, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he will live until he see the Lord Jesus Christ and carry him on his arm. Verse 27, so he came by the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in parents Joseph and Mary brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. The custom of the law that the baby child, uh, the firstborn, when he is 40 days, they present him to the temple. So Simeon, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Face of all peoples, not only Israel. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory of your people, Israel. So the Holy Spirit who dwelt in the soul of this righteous man, directed him to go and see the accomplishment of the prophecy that he translated. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a child. Uh, so there is a small reflection here. We can say those who are led by the Holy Spirit and come to the church to worship, like Simeon went to the temple led by the Holy Spirit, will undoubtedly meet with God, who is the comfort and salvation of Israel, his people. So when we come to the church to worship, moved by the Holy Spirit, definitely we will have this connection with God and we will be comforted while we are here in the church. As I told you, the parents referred to Mary and Joseph. All of us, we know Mary was his real parent. Joseph is called so, although he is not a biological father, but he was referred to as the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, St. Mary knew the truth. Joseph 
knew the truth that he is not the father. And also the house of Zechariah, the priest, uh, and maybe some few people knew that the Lord Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Uh, so St. Mary and St. Joseph, uh, resting quietly in, the, in their simple faith, uh, left the rest to God. They did not go and announce it to everybody that this baby is born of a virgin. And they trusted that God, in his economy, in the right time, he will reveal this secret of nativity to the whole world, as everybody now knows that Jesus is born of a virgin sent me. Differently, the family met Simeon in the outer court, not inside the holy place. As you know, the tabernacle of meeting, there is the holy and the holy of the holies divided by the veil. They were not allowed to enter into the holy. So they met Simeon in the outer court that surround the tabernacle of the meeting. Uh, so when the Bible says they brought him into the temple, uh, St. Luke is using a Greek term that includes the whole of the temple com complex. The tabernacle of meeting itself or the temple and the outer court of the temple. Not the inner court or the sanctuary or the holy because the holy is accessible only to the priests. Uh, Simeon was told in a vision that he will live until he will see the Messiah. Now Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, identified this baby, Jesus, as the promised Redeemer, as the Messiah, not only for Israel, but for all nations, proclaiming and announcing a universal message of salvation. Then he carried him in his arm, and we ponder what must this holy soul of this man felt at this moment when he carried the savior of the whole world in his arm. So he started to pray and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now I have seen the savior of the whole world. Now. Actually, this prophecy that I wondered about its translation should be the virgin or should be young girl, now I know for sure it is fulfilled. So now actually I am asking you to dismiss me in peace to the eternal world. Now I have witnessed the assurance and the enjoyment of salvation of God to the whole world. When Simeon said, let your servant depart in peace, definitely he meant his death. But as we know, with the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the salvation that was fulfilled in the cross, death has lost its sting. 
And this even also lost its name, as we say in the departed, is the letter for the departed, for there is no death for your servants, but a departure. Uh, so Simeon here, uh, although he meant to depart in peace, but he used the word depart not to, to die. Because as I told you, he saw the savior of the world, so death now is not there. For the believers, there is no death, but a departure, like immigration from earth to the paradise of joy, and he will wait there until the second coming, and we go with Christ into the heaven of heavens. Uh, he said, for my eye have seen your salvation. And this actually echo the prophetic language in Isaiah 42, verse 6, and Isaiah 49, verse 6, uh, that Jesus will be the savior of the whole world. Then he, he made two sentences, one about the Gentiles and one about the Israel. About the Gentiles, he said, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. And about Israel, he said, glory of your people, Israel. And these two sentences are accordance to the prophecies of the Old Testament, like in Isaiah 49, Isaiah 9, and Psalm 98. Why he said light for the Gentiles and glory for Israel? Gentiles actually were sitting in darkness. The darkness of ignorance, the darkness of sin. As we read in the scripture in Isaiah and St. Matthew also quoted in his gospel, and we say it every, uh, in every divine liturgy, those who were sitting in darkness and shadow of death, a great light has shone upon them. Who are those who are sitting in darkness and shadow of death? The Gentiles, the non-believers, those who did not know God, they are living in darkness. And until now, those who are separated from God or the ignorant and they are away from the knowledge of God, they still live in darkness. But Jesus Christ came to be the light, to enlighten the light of the Gentile, uh, life of the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles believe in him, know him, and his plan of redemption, they are moved from the darkness to light, from death to life. And as the darkness rolls away when the sun arises, so the ignorance, the sin, this darkness run away, escape when Jesus was born and enlightened the whole world. We read in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 3, nations shall come to his light and kings to the brightness of his rising. What about Israel? He said, and glory of your people Israel. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ 
was born of the Jews and among them from the tribe of Judah. He's Jewish. So he was first sent and came to Israel. He came to his own, as we read in John chapter 1. He lived and dwelt among them. He taught in their synagogues and in their streets. He wrote his miracle in their midst. And the gospel, the good news of salvation, was first preached to them. So Jesus indeed is the glory of Israel. But uh, Israel as a nation rejected him and crucified him. So who is Israel? Israel now actually is not the secular or national Israel. But Israel are the chosen people of God, those who believed in him, those who are born not of a will of man, not the will of flesh, but they are born from God. So we the Christians, the believers, are the new Israel, Israel. And God is our glory. And I'm sure St. Mary, when she heard this beautiful praise of Simeon, she memorized it and she preserved this hymn in, in her heart and she mentioned it to St. Luke and St. Luke actually recorded to us in his Gospel, chapter 2. Verse 33, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. So, here said Joseph and his mother, after he said his parents before, now he is saying Joseph and his mother, in order to confirm that Joseph was not the father. Mary uh, conceived the Lord Jesus Christ without seed of men. They marveled at what? Definitely, they did not marvel about what Simeon said respected the Lord Jesus Christ, respecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they knew all these things from Archangel Gabriel when he announced uh, Saint Mary. But uh, they were marveled actually because how Simeon came at this moment and the revelation that was made to him and uh, how Simeon by the Holy Spirit was able to know that this baby is the one intended 300 years ago when in a vision he was told you will not see death until you see Christ the Messiah. So, uh, Mary and Joseph not only knew the same things were predicted about the Messiah, but also now they heard and believed the same things concerning uh, their child, Jesus Christ. Verse 34, then Simeon blessed them. In Arabic, the verb that used for two persons 
is different than the verse used for three persons. So, blessed them, بالعربي, So, he blessed two persons. If he blessed three persons, كان في العربي تتقال وباركهم. Plural. But in English, there is no distinguish between if he blessed two or three. Uh, so, I'm going to explain why I'm mentioning this. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. So, many scholars said, Simeon blessed only Mary and Joseph, two persons. But he refrained from blessing Christ. For no one can bless Christ. He is actually God who became man. So Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, realized that he cannot bless Christ. That's why he blessed Mary and Joseph only. But some other scholars said, no, he blessed them means he blessed everybody, but the church believes that he blessed only Mary and Joseph, even as I told you in the Arabic translation, it mentioned to Wabarakhuma, not Wabarakhum. Said to Mary, actually we expect in, in this Jewish culture, he will speak to the father, but here, when Simeon spoke to Mary and not to Joseph, because he knew by the Holy Spirit, Mary is the mother because she gave birth to Christ while she is virgin. That's why he spoke to Mary, not to Joseph. And he told her two things about the child and one thing about Mary herself. The first thing he told her, this child is destined for the fall and rising. And this echo Isaiah 8.14 and Isaiah 8.15. Fall and rising of many in Israel. So it is prediction what will happen in Israel. First there will be falling, then will be rising. So the falling, because Israel at the beginning rejected the Messiah. So the falling happened first. Then in the fullness of time before the second coming of Christ, many of Israel will believe in Christ, as St. Paul explained in Romans chapter 11, verse 26. So this will be the rising, falling and rising of uh, many in Israel. Uh, also, God the Father sent his son for the salvation of the whole world, as we read in John chapter 3, verse 16. Salvation that will be fulfilled on the cross. Not, not everyone accepts this sign. That's why he said this child, that's the second thing said about the child, falling and rising of men in Israel. The second point, and for a sign which will be spoken against. 
which is the, what, what sign here is the sign of the cross to spoke against so uh, the sign of the cross actually some accepted the sign but some actually rejected the sign of the cross and found it offensive St. Paul said in his letter to Corinthian is the Greek consider the sign of the cross ignorance and foolishness the Jews they stumble over the sign of the cross but for us the believers the sign of the cross is the power and the salvation of God so maybe also falling and rising of many refer to the people who will be offended in the cross and the people who will actually accept the cross or fall and rise the fall of evil in our life and the kingdom of God will rise in our life this sign will be spoken against Simeon here prophesies that Christ his followers who will carry the cross and the cross will be their sign will be ridiculed will be persecuted and the arrows of the ungodly men will be shot against them and this is, is true not only for the age of Christ and the apostles but until now and until the end of the world we read in Hebrew chapter 12 verse 3 that Jesus was to endure such hostility from sinners he endured such hostility from sinners also a sign spoken against he is referring to what's written in Isaiah 65 verse 2 I have stretched out my hand all day long to rebellious people so the whole history of our Lord Jesus Christ's ministry and even after he ascended to heaven is actually more or less fulfillment of this prophecy a sign will be spoken against Saint Mary in her magnificent my soul magnifies the Lord we read it in chapter 1 she spoke also about the rising and the falling when she said that God lift up the lowly and throwing down the rules from their thrones Luke chapter 1 verse 52 I told you he said two things about Jesus Christ that this child is destined for the fall and rise of many of Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against then he said one thing to Saint Mary so he looked at Mary and told her yes a sword will pierce through your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed so what is this sword? Uh, the sword actually is the anguish that Saint Mary must felt the wound of her heart when she was standing beside the cross to see how her son was tortured on the cross and he said 
this sword, the cross, will reveal the heart of many people. Thoughts of many people, heart will be revealed. Because during the time of persecution, during the time of the sword, actually, we will discover the people of God. We will know who are faithful and who are not faithful. We will know the true Christian from the false Christian. It will be clear who will receive and who will reject the Messiah. Who will be on his side and who will turn against him. This is the time of persecution. So, wherever Christ is preached, there is a manifestation of the thoughts of men's heart. People actually will receive this message with righteousness, but the people actually will receive it with rejection and will feel better about the message of Christ. So we can say persecution is the filter used by God by which he examined the churches the people to separate tares from wheat. Persecution is a great discovery of our mean uh, spirits and our hearts. Our views and our decision regarding Christ will be revealed and will be seen during the time of the sword, during the time of persecution. Verse 36. Now, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Fanuil, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. So if she is married at age of 15 or 16, that is usually the marriage age at the time, and lived 27 years with her husband, this will bring us to something like 22 or 23. And now if she was widow for 84 years, so she was above 100 years, 105. That's why the Bible says uh, of great age. Uh, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. So now the spirit of prophecy began to revive. After it was ceased in Israel for about 300 years, no prophecies, no vision. And we find here a woman recognized as a prophetess at a time when no man is recognized as a prophet, except John the Baptist or Simeon, very few. Prophetess uh, is meant then here a, a one who understands the scripture and made her concern to instruct young women in things pertaining to.
to God. Uh, she is named here as if she was well known and her, her, her husband who actually died 84 years ago was named Fanuil. So this actually can tell us Anna was from a very known family. Although she was not from the tribe of Judah, she was from the tribe of Asher, but she was a very well-known family. Uh, so though her family might have been a distinguished one in Jerusalem, yet we see here uh, her faithfulness uh, and her devotion, her dedication, that's why she was included in this sacred history of the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. The tribe of Asher, which belonged to the ten tribes that was carried into exile by Shalmanasser, and they lost actually their genealogy, but we know from the story of Anna that this tribe had not been altogether lost. Some members, some families, were able actually to keep the genealogy of their descent. This also happened with another tribe, the tribe of Naphtali, as we read in Tobit chapter 1, verse 2. So, she left with her husband seven years from her virginity. From her virginity, these words actually to emphasize and to express her chastity prior to marriage. So she was virgin to the moment of her marriage. And also she excluded the thought of a second marriage. Although she lived only seven years, but when her husband uh, died, she devoted her life to the temple. Something that was not common before Christ in the Old Testament. She, she did not depart from the temple. How we understand this word? Did she live in the temple? So, there are two explanations. One explanation, she was constant in her devotion there. She attended all the services, whether by day or night. But some other scholars believe that she lived in the courts of the temple, either in the almshouse being maintained by the temple charities, or as a prophetess, maybe she lodged there in a proper place uh, to be consulted and to give advice to those who desire the will of God and to hear uh, instruction from her. So, but the majority actually believe the word not departing from the temple means that she was constantly there at the time of service, uh, whether at night or at uh, uh, day. Also, if there is any good work to be done, she is ready to go and serve in the temple. So she came also in that instant, in that moment, when 
Mary and Joseph brought the infant child to the temple, she came by the direction of the Holy Spirit exactly like Simeon. Verse 38, and coming in that instant, in that moment, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. As I told you, she used to instruct and prophesy. She declared him, declared the Lord Jesus Christ to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So she praised God that he had sent his son, the promised and long looked for Messiah and service. Uh, she left there to see his blessed face as Simeon and to see this happy day, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, So, God in his mercy allowed this prophetess, this godly devout widow, to see the newborn Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 39. So when they, Mary and Joseph, had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they came to the temple on the 40th day for two things to the purification of St. Mary, although she did not need purification, and to present the Lord Jesus Christ to the temple. So after they performed all things according to the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. So they performed all things relating to the purification of St. Mary and the presentation of the firstborn and offering the sacrifices uh, as we mentioned before. And here, according to the law of the Lord, tells us that St. Mary and St. Joseph were obedient to the word of God. They did not question it. St. Mary did not need purification. But the law said at the 40, 40th day she should enter the temple and offer sacrifice for her purification. She said yes. And she did it although now many argue about it. And they don't learn from St. Mary how to be obedient to the word of God. Then they returned to their own city, Nathars. And here, Matthew mentioned about the killing of the children of Bethlehem, the visit of the wise men, and the trip to, uh, to Egypt, or the flight to Egypt. And after all these events, they returned to Nazareth, according to Matthew. But here Luke said they returned to Nazareth. So where actually we can, the events that mentioned in Matthew, we can put them, where we can find them in the history of this child. So between the presentation to the temple and between returning to Nazareth, Many things happened. So the visit of the Magi, the wise men, the flight to Egypt, the killing of the innocent children of Bethlehem happened between these two verses, the presentation to the temple and before the return to Nazareth. 
But also, uh, some scholars said it could be after the presentation and the visit of the wise men, they returned to Nazareth of Galilee. And then when Herod decided to kill the children, they went to Egypt. And then when they returned uh, after the death of, of Herod, when they returned from Egypt, they returned to Nazareth. So what Matthew uh, in his gospel mentioned about the returning to Nazareth was the second return to Nazareth because there was uh, an immediate one uh, after the presentation to the temple. But the mostly accepted opinion is the first one. They remained in Jerusalem, the visit of the wise men, then the killing of the innocent children, then the flight to Egypt, then they returned to Nazareth. Verse 40, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So look actually, in, in these words, he understand and confirm the true humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ is perfectly divine and perfectly human. And these two natures are united together without mingling, without confusion, and without alteration. So the growth of our Lord Jesus is here described as a natural human growth because his humanity was real, which shows that the body that the Lord Jesus Christ took from St. Mary is, was perfect humanity, like ours. Human body, human soul, human spirit. Uh, and this body did not actually grow to maturity at once, but as all of us, he grew little by little like any child. Luke said about the Lord Jesus Christ, he was filled with wisdom. He's not definitely speaking about the Logos, the hypostasis of the Son, his essential wisdom, thank you, uh, or the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that's hidden in him. But he is speaking about as a child, so this created a natural wisdom as a man. He grew little by little in his wisdom as his body also was growing little by little. Uh, so we should not forget that Jesus is a perfect man and a perfect divine. Uh, but the Lord Jesus Christ, he knew no sin. And he grew in the favor and grace of God. The grace of God was upon him because he uh, was isolated from the sinners and knew no sin. So in the same way, if any one of us lived a pure life, 
uh, and lived the life of repentance, then the grace of God actually will be upon him and he will find favor in the eyes of God. Uh, it's remarkable that all that's recorded of the infancy of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and actually what we will mention about when he was 12 years old and went to the temple uh, that is all what we know from the 30 years of his life the first 30 years because the Bible intended uh, the design of the evangelist was to give an account of Jesus' public ministry, not his private life. So uh, they said very, very little about his first years. But what happened during these 30 years, we, we don't know actually. So, from these little verses, we know that Jesus was wise, pure, pleasing God, deeply skilled in the knowledge of the divine law. Uh, he set a lovely example for all children, and he was uh, subject and obedient to his parents and increased in favor with God and man. So, Let's stop here uh, and we'll continue next time, God willing. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.